Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, lucky number 13. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is the king of style, Sandy McKay. Oh, the king of style. (laughs) I like that. Well, look at that profile pic. (laughs) Uh, that's good. That's good. I gotta come up for one of those for you next time. Then, uh, what are you, what are you gonna be the king of, Rob? I'm the king of many things, Sandy. Many things. Too many to name right now. Oh, okay. You're gonna play that angle. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's get into this. this is episode 13. This is gonna be a good one. We got our, our first female guest coming up later on. Yeah, Tracy Moss. She was a great guest. And we're, I was really excited to have a different perspective, first woman investor on, and I think that she gave us a lot of good knowledge, and she also, you know, maybe provided a little extra something for our women listeners. Yeah, she really hit it out of the park. It was a great interview, so it's going to be coming up. It's really awesome stuff, particularly if you're a female, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily only geared towards that. It's going to work for everybody, for sure. No, of course, yeah. Yeah. So if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please go on over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca and leave us um, some of your input. That would be great. We'd really appreciate anything that you have to say. Also, go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. I don't know what else to say. I don't know, Sandy. I mean, I think anyone that's listening should have already done that by now, especially with that contest we were just running. Oh, they should have for sure. Well, they've missed out on that now, but you know, you know, we got the winner now, right? Yeah, they missed out on it now because we're about to announce the winner. Is that what we're doing? Um, we could, or we could maybe we should do it at the end of the episode, make them listen all the way through. Well, they're going to listen all the way through anyway. Come on, <laughs> people want to know. Yeah, we got to do it. Okay, well, let's... we're dying to find out who's going to steal your. Uh, I, I I think actually. Because you were saying something about us giving away another a little surprise with it, and what the uh, what the other surprise was actually that's going to go along with this speaker, this Fiho wireless Bluetooth speaker that we're giving away is actually Sandy's tanning spot in his backyard. <laughs> so the speaker actually just stays at his house, and everyone uh, whoever wins gets to go over there for an afternoon and and hang out. <laughs> okay, what, I guess I could do that. You know, is that what it is? That's not it, but, well, I don't know. Maybe it is. You know, maybe I'll just throw a little special invitation in the in the package or something. I don't no know. No Speedo for the King of Style that day. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the King of Style without the Speedo. Well, all right. Well, you you know, our winner can decide then whether he wants to go or not. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, well, here it comes. Ready for the okay. winner? Hold on. I'm going to do a little drum roll. Are you ready? Go for it. The winner of this Viho wireless Bluetooth speaker 360 M5 is West Felicidad. 
I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Wes wrote in and he wrote, it just feels like you're involved in the conversation. Guests are super knowledgeable. And I kind of like the non-groomed sound and feel. He's going to continue to listen, he says here. That's a great review. Yeah. And, and again, we want to thank him and everybody else who sent one in. Please continue to send in your reviews, everybody listening. We would really appreciate that. And yeah, so I guess uh, very soon we're going to send this out. It's a great little speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You put the plastic back on somehow. Well, I, you know, I'm not the king of style for nothing. I got some tricks up my sleeve. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks and congratulations to West. So I guess again on this episode, Sandy, we're going to continue our segment with the Michael Minute with our friend Michael Dominguez. Yeah, it's great stuff from him. He's back on episode number four, I believe. Is that his episode? Yeah, we interviewed him on episode four. Everyone should go and listen to that. And on this one, Michael encourages us all to, as investors, to ask ourselves the question, who is my tenant? So here it is, the Michael Minute. Too many of us are so focused on finding the deal that we often don't sit back and contemplate who's going to actually want to rent our place. Let me offer you another way to think. Consider first the tenant that you're actually going to want to have living in your property and then go out and actually search for the property you want to buy. Let me offer you an example. Uh, if let's say you're targeting student rental. It certainly helps if you've got a property that is close to the school. Another option is, is that if it's one bus transit that goes straight into the school and of course you're going to want to have a property in a, in a market where the school actually has students that want to live off campus or in residence and away from mom and dad. Now that may seem obvious, but that's certainly something that you definitely want to be considering if you are focused on student rental. Um, if the property is two or maybe three bus lines away from the campus, what you're going to end up finding is if you do make that purchase, it will certainly not be the student's first choice. And as such, you may have more vacancies and you're going to have discount rents for years to come. Personally, I like renting to Generation Y kids. Now, Gen Y kids often don't own their own cars, uh, which makes transit even more important to them. Another thing that I find is that a lot of the Gen Y kids do not compromise on the quality of the unit. So by adding some ceramic backsplash and having quality laminate flooring and ceramic flooring through the uh, kitchen and bathroom, perhaps having paint colors that are that are on trend, um, I can actually lower vacancy and have market leading rents. So think about the tenant before you buy. If you're targeting young families, for example, you're certainly going to want to have plenty of parking. You're going to want to have a nice backyard. You're going to want to be close to schools. If you're looking for seniors, Perhaps you want to be close to grocery stores or drug stores, close to the parks and other amenities, perhaps a little bit less yard work for the tenants to do. If you're focusing on the single office workers, perhaps you're going to want to be in the city close to their work. Uh, you're going to want to be, uh, again, on transit and probably absolutely no yard work for the tenant to do. So th saving a few thousand dollars on the purchase feels really great at the time. 
But that feeling can go away really fast if you struggle to rent the place and you lose thousands of dollars on vacancies, or if you're forced to deal with tenants that don't even come anywhere close to fitting your tenant profile. This is Michael Dominguez with another Michael Minute. Interview time, I guess? Yeah, I think it is interview time. So do you want to tell us about our guest? Yeah, we've got a great great guest coming up, uh, Tracy Ma, and she is a real estate investor, mainly in the Ottawa area, although she's, uh, she's focused on a few different areas across the country. Tracy's going to tell us how to juggle a full-time job, twin girls, and a large real estate portfolio, and still have a, an actual life on top of all that. She's going to talk about the ins and outs of investing in other provinces, and she's going to share with us the story about, or her story about screaming matches, broken windows, burst pipes, and even police showing up at one of her very first rental properties, and how she was actually able to overcome all that uh, despite a lot of challenges. Yeah, she had a lot of great stories to tell, and it was a really exciting interview. So here it is, our interview with Tracy Ma. We are very pleased to have our very first interview with a woman investor, Tracy Ma, and uh, we've definitely waited too long because uh, I think it's going to be great to get a different and fresh perspective. So uh, welcome and thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited and I'll try to add a ton of value to your listeners. Perfect. That's what it's all about. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know who we're speaking with here, Tracy Ma is a residential real estate investor. Uh, She's also a mother of twins, and she's got a full-time career as an engineer as well. Despite all these responsibilities, she's managed to build up a really awesome real estate uh, investment portfolio. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to have her on the show and learn a lot more about her and how she's been able to do all this. We wanted to start out with a little bit of your story and how you got started in real estate investing. Um, okay, thanks. Uh, so my my drive to invest in real estate stems from my family's hardships and struggles in China. My great-grandfather, he was a very successful businessman. He owned land and ran businesses, including banks. Unfortunately, during World War II, China went through a cultural revolution and became a communist country. At that point, my great-grandfather was executed, and overnight, my family members were forced to live as beggars, like literally living on the streets. And so despite living on the streets, a few of my family members, including my great aunt, made her trek to Canada and slowly became a multimillionaire in Vancouver, all due to real estate investing. And more importantly, she helped my mom and dad start a life in Canada. So my aunt is a really strong role model for me. Not only did she help her family come to Canada, but she also uh, created a strong foundation for her kids by creating a legacy for them and inspiring them to invest in real estate. And to this day, her kids invest in real estate in Vancouver, all of which has inspired me to do the same and continue on doing to create a future for the future. So these family stories give me the confidence and drive to look at Canada as a land of opportunity and that anything is possible if you have the right mindset. 
So in 2006, I took the plunge and I bought my first condo using my RSPs. And then a year later, I converted that condo into a rental. And I just noticed like while living in Ottawa, how much opportunity there was in Ottawa for rentals. So I just continued investing in real estate and just jumpstart my path to meeting my financial goals. Uh, that's great, and that's actually quite a sad story, but an inspiring one at the same time. So thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you. So which real estate investing strategies do you use, and how did you choose them? Is that I, something that your aunt passed on to you? Or? Um, yes, it is. So I call it the Warren Buffett way of investing. It's like the slow, tried, true method of buying real estate by and holding it and renting it out while doing it. And it just takes patience and time, and then your assets just become wealth creators. It's it's a really boring way of investing, but it works, and it's the way my family's done it. I don't like to be bogged down by fancier methods investing, only because it takes time away from my family, and so that's how I choose the real estate investment strategies. The other way I, I, um, I do is I buy real estate, I fix it up, and I rent it out. So I bling it up by putting in some sweat equity and then rent it out. And the blinging is fairly minor. It's mostly cosmetics, including new kitchen, flooring, and painting. And my last strategy is lending out my equity as first and second mortgages. Mm. So I use these strategies depending on where I'm at with life. And I need to ensure that these strategies align with my life. So when I didn't have kids, I would have time to put in sweat equity into my properties. And I love doing renovations. It's fun and it balanced my day as an engineer. Then when I had twins, I bought newer properties with high cash flow because I want to raise my babies. And then when my now that my kids are preschool age, I do combination of buy and hold as well as fix, uh, buy, fix, and hold. And the greatest thing is that I now hire contractors to do the renovations. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and my latest and greatest strategy is lending my equity out, it's otherwise known as hard money lending, private lending, to other real estate investors who need quick financing, and it's a much more hands-off approach. So were you doing some of the renovations yourself? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty wow. happy. <laughs> I'm working backwards because I'm I'm trying to get into doing the renovations myself instead of hiring an out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, um between my husband and I, we are well, we're both engineers and we love um tinkering with things. So okay. we have a whole garage full of tools and it's actually fun for us. It's like our it's kind of like our bonding moment, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> But we love it because it's instant gratification. So you you change the flooring. Also, all of a sudden, not only did you save a lot of money, but it looks great. You're like, wow, I can't believe I just completed that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do get that. You do get a good feeling uh, when you are able to do a little bit of that yourself. I I think it's also just as good of a feeling to pay someone and have it just done. <laughs> oh, yeah, way yeah. faster. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a little bit less, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say less stressful, but it's it's less work, obviously. Sometimes it can be less stressful, I guess, but. Yeah, it's 
it's uh, I, I well now I love using contractors. The hardest part is finding the right contractors. Right. Though. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, what do you look for when you're evaluating a potential deal? Um, it's a really systematic way of looking at deals. I start with uh, finding a starter home in a city, in a nice neighborhood, close to schools, great transit, lots of ongoing and future employment to create demand for rentals, historical appreciation above inflation, and of course, it needs to cash flow. And I have rules I follow. So it must bring rent annually equal to 7% of the purchase price. That's the bare minimum. And it gets higher depending on the area. So the further outside of Ottawa, the property needs more and more rent, more rent coming in and higher cash flow. And the further away, I have a rule where the property must be new or almost new. And so, for example, my in Ottawa, my cash flow criteria is at least $100 per month after all expenses. And that's like the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that because I live in Ottawa. Uh, of course, when I buy properties outside of Ottawa, it must cash flow at least $300 after all expenses. And then I also have a mental checklist of what I don't want in a property for example, I don't want just one bathroom. I don't want six-foot ceilings in the basement. I don't want more than two units on a property. I don't want condo fees. I don't want electric heating. I don't want oil tanks or foundation structural issues. That sounds like good things to not want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you found now that you've you've actually – you know, being in this for a while, have you found that now you've found the neighborhoods that you like and you you stick with them or are you open still to all areas as long as they fit the criteria? No, I'm pretty picky with my areas. I literally only invest in three areas in Ottawa and I have a set area in Edmonton as well as set area in Estevan. So it's being a, a sub-market expert within the city. And I'm only limiting it to now three cities that I invest in. I'm trying to tailor it down to two, really. So how do you get started investing in a city so far away like Edmonton? It's So you need to be, I guess I kind of think of it as like Warren Buffett again. You need to be comfortable with the city you're investing in. You need to know what type of tenants you're attracting. So I'm very lucky that I get to travel as part of my career and I've lived or and are frequently visited many provinces. And this has given me the confidence to invest in areas outside of Ottawa. I start with uh, a team. I interview people. Um, once I build the team, then starting with a reliable, knowledgeable realtor who has real estate investing experience and a knowledgeable property manager, then the deals start coming to me that meet my criteria. And the moment I have a hard time building a team, then I have no interest in investing that city. And right now, just because I've invested in three provinces, I'm trying to I'm not I'm not going to scale it anymore. I mean, I'm trying to limit it to two cities now because it's I find I'm spreading myself too thin. Right. (laughs) What so is it just the familiarity with a city or a province that allows you to invest there 
or um, I'm, I'm assuming you dive into the getting to know the area a lot more than just that, but like, what would be something that you'd recommend for other people to look at in a specific city, maybe that they're looking at investing in that they don't live in that they don't live in. Yeah. Um, I would first start, start with, it all depends on your comfort zone. I would start with a city you used to live in. So for example, I used to live in Vancouver, so I comfortable buying condo in Vancouver because I knew the area, I knew what kind of tenants I um, I could attract and already had a team in Vancouver. I used to always also live in Regina, Saskatchewan. That's where I'm born and raised. And I worked all across Saskatchewan as my summer job. So I was familiar with Estevan being one of the cities that I invest in in Saskatchewan. And I was just very comfortable knowing, I already knew the city. So it, it's not like I just jumped into the city and then started getting familiar with it. I would, I would strongly encourage though, um, people who want to invest outside of their own city to start in a city that they used to live in. That's good, That's advice, good advice, I think. Okay. So we were communicating a little bit before the show, and you mentioned a scary story to us about one of your properties in Ottawa, uh, dealing with some extensive water damage. Could you do you want to share that story with us and how you were able to overcome it? Sure. I have a small multiplex in Ottawa. It was my second investment property and I still have it. I bought this property really early in my in building my portfolio. So I bought a property that had low ceilings, like barely over six feet tall in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time renting it out. So I decided years ago, I just, I came across a nice female. She had a steady job with the government and she had okay references. The only thing is she didn't have quite of a a rental history because she's been living with her mom. So I decided, okay, well, it's the middle of winter. It's hard to rent this place out. So I'll give her a chance. So I I, I rented it out to her month to month. And Given that a month after she occupied a unit, it, it was fine until we I started receiving a lot of noise complaints from the other tenants, and it was screaming matches between her and her boyfriend. And her I didn't realize her boyfriend was visiting her and, and starting to live in the unit. And then all of a sudden, she, decided, she uh, tried to get rid of her boyfriend, so she started calling the police. Anyways, over the course of two months, she got a restraining order against her boyfriend, who became her ex-boyfriend. And then several weeks later after that, her ex-boyfriend decides to break into her unit by kicking her window open. And so I was called up. I dealt with police and fire trucks. I had to deal with all night till 2 a.m. And police thankfully caught him. So with all these problems, I really want her to move out is you know, causing so much disruption to my other tenants. Fortunately, my wish did come true, but in a very unfortunate way. So literally weeks after is like the middle of winter, it's minus 30 degree weather. And one of the tenants left a window open in her bathroom. And I think this partly caused the pipe burst, which flooded the entire house and all three apartments had to be vacated. So I had, family living in in one of the apartments and she had a new baby and and yeah and so for three for the entire winter all of them had to had to leave they they couldn't couldn't come back to the house there's so much water damage 
that it took about four to five months to fix it. I can't even remember how long. It's been, it's been years. It was like the worst winter and the worst year of tenant problems. And I was also pregnant with my twins and had to deal with this during my pregnancy. And the insurance bill came to $80,000. So lessons learned from this is that make sure you buy a house that aligns with your lifestyle and make sure you get your tenants to get tenant insurance. How I overcame this obstacle is that because of the renovations, it's made it into a nice property and I've retained a very good property manager to manage this house now. So do you think a lot of people would have given up after dealing with something like that? Yeah, my, my husband almost gave up. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Because you said that was your second property? Yeah, it was my second property and um, it almost like it, my husband really wanted to sell it, but I always knew going in that, you know, it's not all red roses when you jump into investing in real estate, especially if, you know, you're very new and which I was, and I knew that there's going to be tenant problems. I knew that being taking the position where I want to manage it all, being a property manager, that that's the type of problems you would deal with. So how I came that is just realizing you can't do it all. You need to build a team and get a great property manager, a great handyman, and start reducing the noises. Let me let me tell you guys a quick story that I've never told here. So we had a basement apartment in the house that we lived in just when my son was about one or so, my, my oldest son. And and the woman drove around on a scooter and my wife had always said, I've seen her on the road. She'll come home and say, I saw her tether on the road and she's all over the place. Like I don't even know how she drives that thing. So, but one night we were, um, it was a Friday night and it was only about 7.30 and we were reading our son a story and I, and I saw flashing lights outside the house and I thought, oh boy, something's going on at the neighbor's house. So I, I jumped up to go out and have a look and no, it was our house. They were, there was two cops blocking off the end of the driveway. And when I walked outside, this tenant that I had picked and I thought was great was screaming at the top of her lungs for the cops to just shoot her <gasps> over and over again. And I went out and the, and the, and the guy says, uh, are you related to this woman? I said, well, she's my tenant. And he said, well, we're arresting her for drunk driving. And I said, okay, well, if you need anything, I'll be inside. And then they stayed out in my driveway for over an hour with her screaming and carrying on. And then they took her away. And, and the next day I asked her to please just move out. And so she did, but yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a fun one too. Yeah. Tenants, bad tenants are not good for business. That's for sure. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're lucky that your tenant moved out though. Uh, I have all kinds of them, but I won't, I won't uh, take up all the time with my stories. It makes it bad when it's your house too, right? That's oh, I know. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your why? Why do you invest in real estate? So I invest in real estate to provide 
financial flexibility in my life, really. Um, my husband and I just want choices in life. We don't like to think that we rely on just one source of income being our day job. So just in case anything happens, we have choices. And secondly, to pay for my kids' education using real estate so I don't have to worry about paying off their student debt, nor and they don't need to worry about it. And they also have enough capital to buy their own place. Plus, I get to have them out of the house once they turn 18 rather than having them live them live in my house, save their money to get to, to buy a place. So that's I'm, a good reason there. <laughs> because you're gonna educate them all the way up to uh, where they'll buy their first property at eighteen. Oh yeah. And <laughs> um, and also have them purchase a property and they manage it and have it have rent it out to their friends. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I teach them life skills. <laughs> Yeah, my son who's four always keeps saying that he wants to he wants to learn, but um I, I just hope he keeps it up when he's a teenager. Doesn't lose interest in it. Oh, just inspire him. Yeah. And I my long term goal is to retire early with my husband, with at least ten mortgage free properties, and to move back to Vancouver so I'm closer to family and then when I finally leave this world to leave a legacy for my kids. So how early do you want to retire? Um, I'm almost there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. that's what that was cuz that was my question. It was it seems like you love your job as well, your day job. So you're not really in any hurry to get out of that. Am I wrong or right about that? No, I do love my day job. I wouldn't say I love. I actually really enjoy it. It's just that this year I decided probably oh, almost just exactly 3 months ago to just take a year off. So to just take a break in life and say, okay, well, I worked so hard building this real estate portfolio. Now it's time to take a break and just enjoy life. So I'm living the dream of taking a year off from work and I'm spending the summer with the, with my twins before they start school in September. And then I went, I've been doing some traveling and then I'll go from there. So it's not like I'm in any hurry to quit my job at the same time. I'm not tied to my job, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. How, how, so how do you juggle all that? How do you juggle the full-time job, twin girls, which is a lot, and then you know real estate and doing your own renovations even sometimes? Uh, how do you do all that and still you know, have, a, have a real life, like a social life and all that? Uh, how do I do it all? Well, so, you know, my twins are clones of myself, so they're like my mini munchkins. I want them to work. No, but seriously, um, <laughs> I view life as an adventure and full of opportunities. So I don't like wasting my time on low priority things. So did you know that the average Canadian spends 45 hours online social networking and entertainment sites and that's from the Canadian Internet uh, Regulatory Authority that's one extra week in your life every month so honestly I only put in 10% more effort every week it literally amounts to maybe 20 hours per month and you divide that up between mentoring managing my website real estate investing and continuous education it isn't a lot of time and I'm relying heavily, heavily, heavily on my great husband who manages the day-to-day operations of real estate. So dividing our roles and responsibilities when it comes to uh, our real estate portfolio. I also rely heavily on an awesome team of knowledgeable, like-minded 
real estate professionals, um, like the great, my great realtors and property managers that I've spent years to find. And I literally, I simplify my life to maximize time. So I don't iron and I stopped cooking fancy meals. (laughs) (laughs) And I also have a real estate business plan. I just follow it. I don't even think about it anymore, except I modify it once a year Real estate investing is literally a very boring vehicle for me to accomplish my financial goals and take me to my final destination, which is awesome. And it's so boring that it's systematic. There's very little emotions. It's a checklist process for me. And honestly, if you were to just talk about how much time I spent on real estate investing per week, it's about two, two to three hours between my husband and I. That's pretty awesome, actually. It's just to, ha- to have a good solid portfolio like that and not spend, you know, even half a day on that throughout the week. Have you ever had to make adjustments to your teams, fire agents, fire property managers, that type of thing, or has uh, it, it ran pretty smoothly? No, all the time. I actually, yeah. um, I I have like backlogs of property managers, and um, I'm always. No, I don't rely on just one realtor per city. I mean, I do rely on two. I always have a backup. Mm-hmm. And I do have property managers where I've, I've noted their names and their experience. And I know that if things don't turn out right, then I can rely on this other property manager. So I have contingency plans in place. And I've came across situations where I've, fi- I've fired probably five property managers over the course of seven years. Mm-hmm. And how many of those were in, not in the local market? How many of them were in your other two cities? Uh, half of them were in the other two cities. Really? So, so fifty percent of them were in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess there's you have more properties in Ottawa as well. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I would have thought it would be. That's a big fear of mine. I just, I don't, I don't know if I could trust anybody to do it. In, a, <laughs> like in another city, right? you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd constantly want to be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's well, that's why it's my criteria for buying properties outside of Ottawa is that it's new or almost new. So literally, it shouldn't take a lot of the property manager's time. Yeah. And I shouldn't be, I shouldn't see big maintenance bills. So, and my, I have a time, like a time zone for every property I buy outside of Ottawa. It's five years. And if five years, the market's decent, I'll sell them because I'm not, I, I don't feel comfortable holding real estate outside of my own city for that long, just because with time, properties wear and tear and then it comes up with more and more bills, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is that the is that the main reason why you're looking at new stuff? Is it just the maintenance and and that type of issues that you want to avoid? Is that is that it? Yeah, exactly. I want to simplify my life. Yeah, I want to bring in. Um, I'm trying to diversify my portfolio by bringing in kind of higher cash flowing properties mm-hmm. and to balance some of the the properties I have in Ottawa, which are just you know not very. I mean, they're cash flowing. It's just that they're not great great cash flowing properties. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's get into the website a little bit. What's, um, what's up at financialnirvanamama.com? How did you start the site? Why did you do it? And, and how's it been going? 
So I started this website mainly because I can find moms doing this uh, or investing in real estate at and who are very young. So I figured, hey, well, can't find it. I'll just do it. And I want so I created it to help inspire, motivate and educate women to invest in real estate to build their wealth and start their path of being financially independent. So they have choices in life and the confidence to lead whatever life they want to leave. And more importantly, to showcase that you can start even when you're holding a career, having a family and still having fun, yet you can invest in real estate part-time in your spare time the right way. Perfect. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned through creating the site and uh, sharing your knowledge with others. Building a website uh, can be a big pain. <laughs> I didn't realize how easy yet difficult it was to building it. Easy in that it's with WordPress, it's really easy to build a website in like 15 minutes. At the same time, if you want to have a scalable and uh, as time goes on, you need to say you want to plan a members area, sell products. You have to have the right theme. So lesson learned is to pick the right theme from the beginning. So anyone looking to build a website, I really strongly encourage by optimized press. It's not very expensive. And that's a good theme where if you want members pages or um, sell products, it's really easy to do. Secondly, thank God for YouTube. Uh, YouTube is an awesome resource for building my website. And honestly, I didn't do everything myself. I used a great resource called Fiverr. And that was to build my logo, to create videos and graphics. And adding content that adds a ton of value to your audience. So knowing your audience. Uh, my audience is mamas and future mamas. So just making sure that when you're writing, creating videos, that you're adding a ton of value to your audience. And I've been finding that with um, blogging, doing videos and doing some, trying to do some fancy graphics, that videos are, are the key. Like it's, it's getting a lot of attention, more attention than um, my blogs. In fact, my graphics are getting more attention than my blogs. So I would start with videos, then graphics, then blogs. Hmm. and um, don't be shy. So don't be shy to share your story and just pre be transparent with your mistakes. The value is how you overcame those mistakes, and that's what resonates with your audience and helps them. Yeah, I've been on there, and there's a lot of good articles, and I would recommend that everybody go there, financialnirvanamama.com. Everybody go check it out. Yeah, and I think that was a really good point on just on transparency too because – some people don't even get started with stuff like that because they're too worried about how people are going to look at them and all that. And really, when you're sharing your mistakes and overcoming challenges and all that and, and maybe doing a first video that's, like, terrible, you know, and, and then getting better as you go, people actually really, I think they really like that. They like to see that transparency. So anyone else trying to do share knowledge with anybody about real estate, about whatever it is, it's it's really not that difficult. You, you can't be scared. you got to just go for it. I've never done a video. I don't think I'm ever going to. <laughs> well, we've done our show here, Robin. I mean, we weren't very good at the start. I mean, you know, and now we get uh, we got a good amount of listeners. So 
Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's definitely gotten much better from the beginning. Oh yeah, the first one. We kind of just sat down one day and said, "All right, let's uh, let's do this," and then hit the record button. Yeah, it goes from there. Yeah, it got a lot better from there. Mm-hmm. So, Tracy, can you recommend a book that you would have the listeners read if you could pick one for them? Yes, I'm going to say uh, an inspirational book. It's a in fact, my boss told me to read it, which could be a bad thing. And my book, the book is called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. It's about balancing life. And it really resonated with me in that the it's about a lawyer who appeared to have it all. Uh, money, cars, women, any everything in life. But then he he realized he didn't have it all. And he only realized it almost when like he was dying in the hospital. It's a self-growth book, and it's about balancing life. And I find that when you're investing in real estate, you can get caught up with chasing the money and then realizing that you're not true to the life that you really want to lead. So this is a book that has helped me a lot. Thank you very much for recommending that book. And you can get an audio book just like the one mentioned here for absolutely free when you go to breakthroughreipodcast.ca slash audible free trial. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, Tracy, do you, for someone reading books out there and get, getting into real estate, do you think it's more important that they learn the how to invest in real estate type of stuff? Or do you think it's more important to learn something like, like you're recommending there, something to do with the mindset or spirituality and all that type of stuff? What do you think is more important? I would say it's both, honestly. I'm saying it from experience, and that's I started with the book called uh, Real Estate Investing Canada, which is Creating Wealth Through the Acre System by Don Campbell. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome book in teaching you a systematic way of buying real estate in Canada. Uh, what I found by you know going through that system is that in the beginning, I as as I guess as good as I was in buying properties and, and picking the properties, I started realizing that I wasn't buying the right properties aligning to the life I wanted to live. So I think that this is a common story with a lot of real estate investors who get caught up. They don't buy real estate and, and com- commonly they buy real estate uh, that doesn't, that could be a big hassle in their life. So just making sure that if you do venture off and want to build a tremendous, awesome, like great portfolio that you do it the right way. And you also think about balancing your life because in the end that you only have one life to live and you want to make sure that you're living the life that you want to live, not doing a business that continuously uh, promises you that better life, but you actually don't take the time to enjoy that life. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, you're really hitting home with me on this kind of stuff, especially lately for me. A lot of the successes that I've had, I know I should be celebrating them, but instead I'm kind of just going, okay, that was good. Now let's move on. Let's get the next one. Let's get the next one and and not taking the time. And my wife and I both said, okay, we've got to start appreciating these things as they come in. It's tough to do sometimes because I, I do have sort of that competitive, that, competitive Mm -hmm. with myself to just keep going and do better. But it is really important to stop and realize that this is life and you have to enjoy it or, or else I'm just going to keep doing that forever. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I found it funny that my boss recommended me this book. So it, it pointed out something that was flawed in my career, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people learn more about you, Tracy? Well, they can go to Financial Nirvana Mama. Um, I'm sharing tons of content there. I'm trying to post blogs as frequently as possible while you know ma- managing um, real estate and uh, taking care of my kids. I'm also soon, soon there'll be videos. So I have a backlog of videos I need to upload. Awesome. So, and I saw on the site there too, you, you wrote a couple of things for Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. Yes. I, I wrote an article about how to pay for your nanny. And it's a, a true story of how I, it was like one of my dreams really early when I jumped into real estate investing. I always thought, wow. I really want a nanny to help take care of my kids. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote this article, and it, it's based on how I did it. So that's your secret is you have a nanny. That's how you manage all this. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have a nanny now because I, that was the part of the thing. I realized at the same time um, I really do want to take care of my kids for a very short period in time in my life, which is just the summer before they go to school. <laughs> uh-huh. Awesome. Oh, if you had one thing to say to someone, if there's a a mama we're listening in right now, and she was, you know, she's interested in real estate, she's worried about how she's going to manage it all. Like, what what would be one thing you'd tell her to get her started in the right direction? I would say first, educate yourself and read books and see if that's something you want to do. And one book I really recommend is called More Than Cash Flow by Julie Broad. She reveals the truth about real estate investing and what it takes to become a successful real estate investor. And if you are okay with that, which um, I mean, I strongly encourage going into investing real estate, then get a mentor. Mm-hmm. And shorten your learning curve because <laughs> you don't have time when you're a mama. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess we're going to list all of these books in the show notes, right, Sandy? Yeah, for sure. Did I list off too many books? Sorry. <laughs> no, you know what? I was just thinking, why would we be uh, asking people to just name one book when there's so many good books out there? We should be letting people list as many as they want. Yeah, for sure. Right? Mm-hmm. There's so many out there and all of those books that you mentioned, while well, I haven't... Uh, the, the first one, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, I've never heard of that one. But the other ones, you know, those are great books and people need to know about them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as many as you want. Do you got any more? <laughs> oh, I'm an avid book reader. I have a ton. Um, not so much on real estate investing, just more about just self-growth and pushing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. The other book is, I guess, The Magic of Thinking Big. That one's a really popular book. Who's that by? Ah, uh, wish I knew his name. Forgot. Yeah, it's another big thing too, right? If, if people spent those, I forget the exact number. You said forty-five hours a month, exactly. was it? Forty-five uh, hours a month. A month, yeah. And if you spent ten hours of that reading, you know, you'd, you'd in a year, you'd just you'd be going crazy. You're you'd be so much more educated. Exactly, and uh, if you work out, then you can hear an audio book. If you yeah. Take a bus to work. We like listen to audiobook. If you just, I mean, just think of how to read a, get to read a book or listen to a book while you're doing dishes. Like that's just another way of being efficient with your life. Yeah, the audiobooks are great because I, I go through like one a week almost now, and it's it's just doing 
daily tasks. You can get through them. It's so easy, you know? So okay. yeah, if, you, if you can't sit down to read, you might as well, you all, everyone has time to, to listen while they do other stuff. So. Right. Exactly. I would say 75% of my education is through audio and I love it. And I'm going to mention here too. I just got a book by a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk and the book's called crush it. And it's all about business development and it's, it's amazing. So that would be my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I was going to say, Oh, I did get the title. Uh, the magic of thinking big is by Dr. David Schwartz. And it's a, it's a self-help book. It was first published in 1959, but it's a very, very popular book. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, we, I really appreciate you taking the time. And this has been great. There, people are going to learn a lot from it. So thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, it's been terrific, Tracy. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks for having me here. Have a good uh, night, guys. You, you too, Tracy. too, Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. If you're interested in investment opportunities with us, go to BreakthroughREI.ca. Sandy and I edited a little bit afterwards too, so if something doesn't go quite right, um, we just we'll fix it later. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. I was I wasn't sure if this is a live. Or... <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know what I was thinking of doing, Sandy. You know how on the end we have the little bloopers and stuff. Is putting all of our ums and ahs at the end, <laughs> just yeah. like in a big long stream. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, we, we go on for a while. Yeah, so. it would. <laughs> yeah, we cut out a lot of ums and ahs if we can. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's uh, uh, um, uh, 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 oh my god. Um, um, uh, uh, um, 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 um,